Welcome back to 24 Karis. I'm Devin Owens-Teller with Karis by KJE. We are a tech-enabled strategy and leadership development firm specializing in diversity, equity, and inclusion. We are in episode two of a wonderful conversation with Amy Cromis, um, DEI Director for North America with Essity, and we're talking all things supplier diversity. Hi, Amy. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yes. All right. So now we're going to kind of jump into a little bit of the nitty gritty, um, talking about the barriers, um, but also the importance of supplier diversity. So let's start with why is supplier diversity important? Yes, um, it's important in so many different ways. I'll, I'll start out to why it's important for me personally and then the broader appreciation mm -hmm. and value of it. Um, for me, I'm passionate about each generation being stronger than the next um, in many different ways, right? Um, but if we're talking about financial and just economic um, empowerment, um, supplier diversity is a key piece of that. Um, and, and why is because it puts businesses at the table that otherwise would not have been there. Um, it does not guarantee, but it certainly provides more opportunity, right? So whether we're talking about supplier diversity in businesses, whether we're talking about ownership, stake in companies as well, and having, and having people have equity in spaces, um, it's so important from that perspective. Um, but also, too, from just a business perspective, it adds value to the business, right? Yeah. It, it diversifies your supply chain. It increases competition. Um, it increases your supply chain as well in terms of the breadth of suppliers that you have to choose from. Um, mm -hmm. And it truly results in better business outcomes as well. You're getting new, fresh ideas. You're changing the status quo in terms of how people typically do business. So there's certainly that kind of intrinsic, you know, heart connection, but there's also that um, hardwired business connection yeah. and then also kind of the third tentacle of it in that you know I'm, I've been seeing more recently is the link with ESG or environmental social and governance reporting right mm -hmm. ESG is kind of a combination of inputs to really grade um, a company on how they're being a good corporate citizen so those yeah. inputs can be DEI information such as recruitment and retention of diverse communities it can be community investment and volunteerism it can be mm -hmm carbon goals and it can also be supplier diversity and so I'm seeing this from a stakeholder activism standpoint I'm seeing this from boards demanding more information around how are we leveraging our spending power and our purchasing power so mm -hmm. it certainly has elevated and risen in the ranks in terms of why it is important and people understanding that it is uh, you know these programs are here for a concrete solid reason and that they need to continue yeah so that um, kind of thing about episode one, where we're talking about affirmative action, um, and I'm thinking about kind of the, I guess, the backlash or the like the other side of it. So can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about um, there's there's the the pros, right? Um, but then there's also people that would see these as cons and see it as, oh, you're taking this opportunity away from my business, and you know we've been in business with you all for x number of years can you kind of give us your thoughts and opinions on that oh certainly um something that comes to mind is there was a, a quote that maynard jackson said when he put forth this 25 percent goal um for minority-owned businesses uh, at the creation of the Atlanta Hartsfield Airport. Mm -hmm. And he told, there was, when he announced these goals, there was just recoil, there was just major pushback. How, how could you, how could you tell us? 
And his response was, would you rather have 75% of something or 0% of nothing? Mm. And that has always stayed with me in terms of, you know, expanding the pie, providing opportunities. Um, even when you think about large businesses, um, I'll take construction, for instance, a construction business or a construction company, when they're performing a trade, they have to subcontract out portions of work. Yeah. Right. So you're already giving away, put that in quotation marks, portions of your contract. So why wouldn't you want more competition um, when you're getting those bids and things of mm -hmm. that nature? So yes, there, there certainly are challengers to this work, even to ESG. We've seen recently mm -hmm. the governors in Texas and Florida who say, you know, we won't accept, I believe it's, you know, pension funds who, you know, focus on ESG related uh, funds, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, I think that businesses are understanding that their thresholds and what they're graded upon are much more stringent and much more beyond, you know, positive cash flow returns. Mm -hmm. um, it also is how are we leveraging this to be a better um, steward of our community? Because if not, then that will also result in backlash, which, which can then, you know, uh, right. which can then also result in, hey, our share price has gone down tremendously at, you know, at the announcement of XYZ. Yeah. So it's, it's all interlinked. But at the end of the day, you see positive performance with companies that are dedicated to the work of DEI that are also dedicated to the work of supply mm -hmm diversity and understand that there's a fundamental return on that investment yeah that's good so what industries are making the most impact who's who's doing this right mm. so if you listen to the first episode we talked about the history of supplier diversity and mentioning how the federal government you know they influence their government contractors to really abide by these by these mandates essentially or these goals rather and so at the, you know, at the beginning of this in the 1960s and 70s, you had the telecom industry, the automotive industry, who were at the forefront of making this happen, which mm -hmm. absolutely commend them and their rich, you know, deeply rooted programs. But I'm really excited about the tech industry and how they're approaching this work from such a, um, I don't want to like analytical, uh, kind of challenging the status quo piece. Um, and I really, really love what they're doing. So for instance, um, one example is Meta. And so we'll talk about kind of some barriers and things of that nature, but access to capital is a huge barrier for, or not access to capital, but cash flow rather mm. in payment terms. I mean, sometimes, you know, you don't get an invoice paid for, you know, net 30, 60, 30, 90 yes, days. Yes. And so what does that mean for a business where, wait, I need to invest that money to go into another project. So they have this fast track invoicing program that they established where instead of waiting 30, 60, 90 days, you can get your, you can get your, um, your invoice paid immediately and have that cash open up to you. Right. Wow. Um, so that's an amazing thing that Meta's doing. Apple there. I, I love how they link their supplier diversity initiatives to their larger business initiatives as well. They have an accelerator program um, for uh, diverse businesses that's targeted and linked with their carbon neutral goals. And so mm -hmm. that accelerator program provides resource, men resources, mentorship, you know, deep social capital um, to businesses that provide environmental solutions, right? So they're saying, hey, this is a mutually beneficial relationship. Right. You now have a relationship with Apple, you know, the, one of the biggest tech companies in the world. And now we have a relationship to you to enter into our supply chain. So yeah. 
That's what I'm loving seeing in the tech space is they're kind of just going at it from ways that shake it all traditionally. Up. <laughs> exactly. I, and I welcome that. Let's think, let's do things differently. Let's poke holes in the way that yes. things have typically been done and, and get better results. Yeah. And I think we, you know, we have to in, in today's society, we've come a long way since the 1970s and 80s. You know, we have technology now. We have um, people, we have consumers on technology. They're researching things. They're doing a lot of homework before they spend their money. Um, yes. People want to, they want to spend their money to organizations or with companies where they feel like they are supporting that company's mission and that vision, right? And that their dollar is, is going to help someone else or something else. Um, and I, recently or over the weekend, I think it was um, Amazon that partnered with Boss Women Media. And they mm. kind of, a um, it was a pitch competition um, for black owned businesses or maybe black women owned businesses actually. Um, so it was really cool to see um, a black woman. She started her, her company maybe five or six years ago. Um, it's called Black to the Lab. And she's creating mm. chemistry kits for um, girls of color so they can get into STEM. And so to see kind of her evolution, she showed, you know, her product from, from early on, 2016, 17, um, to now um, being a supplier with a warehouse and all of that and actually winning that competition over the weekend and having that uh, financial investment so that she can, you know, go on and do more. And like you said, reinvest that money back into the business. So I think Absolutely. that's really, it's really inspiring to see um, for entrepreneurs or of color uh, or underrepresented groups that are wanting to start their own businesses to see those accelerator programs coming about in, in the different avenues and tools um, to help them. So can you talk a little bit about what, um, support systems or what things are in place to kind of help suppliers learn about, you know, how do I complete an RFP? How do I get mm. insurance? How do I, how do I do it? Definitely. You know, when we talked about the, um, in the first episode, the creation of the MBDA, Minority Business Development Agency, mm -hmm. when it was created, there was also a pairing up, a paired offering of an access to capital fund, like a mm -hmm. capital lending fund, because there was the acknowledgement even then in the 1960s that we can't just create these programs and think that people will answer the call. Yes. There needs to be a set infrastructure in place to really once again remedy that past discrimination that's taken place place. Yes. So MBDA centers are all throughout the country. So that's that's a great first place. PTAC centers, um, procurement technical assistance centers, you can go in, you can drop in for office hours. They have different workshops. They'll help you set up a business plan. I mean, wow. they're great one-stop shops. Um, and then also too, you know, that's more so on the public offering side, but also on the private side. You know, if you have companies that you know you want to do business with, research if, if they have a supplier portal. If so, designate that you are certified as whichever acronym it might be in that, you know, big <laughs> landscape of acronyms. Um, so that way you can understand and hopefully if you have, you can get a preview to some types of RFPs that are released to say, hey, what are their, you know, core foundational requirements that they mm -hmm. have? You know, do I need to have bonding? Do I need to have different insurances? Do I need to have certain certifications in order to even be considered or qualified as one of their suppliers? So once you kind of have that playbook, you can then backtrack, reverse engineer it and see, okay, what do I have? What do I not have? And how do I need to put, you know, mechanisms or processes in place to make sure that I have these things? So that way, I, when I do meet with them, I can say, hey, I've not only done my research, but I've yes. acted on my research yes. in order to be a trusted supplier with you. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. So on the, along that same vein, can you talk a little bit more about the barriers diverse um, owned businesses face today? Oh, goodness. Um, a lot, uh, just to be frank. Uh, but if you ask anyone in this space, you know, one of the top two, most likely number one, they'll say is access to capital, mm -hmm. right? When we talk about building um, wealth in communities, in just when you talk about return as well, more risk, more return. Mm. So these more riskier industries also require a lot of capital. They're very capital intensive up front. Yeah. For instance, I was in construction. Think about what it takes to actually even start a construction company, the amount of physical equipment that's needed, the yard space that's needed to actually store the physical equipment. Yeah. Let's not forget the people that you need to have on your payroll. And so if you don't have some type of small loan that's gifted to you from a family member, but not everyone has access to that. Yeah. And so how are you supposed to even get started? So access to capital programs, definitely research the Small Business Administration, um, MBDA as well. Um, there's all sorts of pinch competitions like you mentioned, yeah. Devin, earlier, you know, just to keep an eye out for. Um, that's absolutely critical in terms of scaling a business, having that access to capital. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I'll say that executive business acumen is also a barrier. When you have an entrepreneur who is going going from being in the weeds, doing the work, doing everything day in, day out, to then being slowly removed as the business grows, to, yeah. to actually needing to lead, to need to be able to do business development, you know, to be able to plan and forecasting. There's an excellent program that the National Minority Supplier Development Council, NMSDC, partners with Dartmouth um, on their Tuck School of Business. And it's an executive mm -hmm. education program. And every year they send on scholarship CEOs a minority business enterprises to tuck to say hey you this is a different way of thinking particularly if you want to scale and grow your business and so that's um, that's a barrier but also a solution that I would definitely recommend for companies yeah. who are interested nice thanks so much this has been um, really helpful information and really in terms of giving those suppliers kind of a how-to guide or where to look for resources to really just get started um, so thanks thanks for joining us again, Amy. And thank you for joining us on this episode of 24 Karis. Um, I'm Devin Owens-Toller, leading operations and analytics. And stay tuned for our next episode where we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about supplier diversity. Here at Karis by KGE, we are helping you live a 24-7 commitment 365 days of the year.